0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel, And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season seven, episode 22, A Ripe Young Age.
1: Mary, what happened this
2: week? Steve asks Brandon to borrow the keys for the CUTV studio so he can record an infomercial for class. Brandon's like, I'm not going to give those to you, but I will supervise you while you do whatever you need to do in there. But not this weekend, though, because Tracy wants to spice up their weekend plans because things are boring, I guess. But unfortunately, Steve's project is due on Monday, so Brandon agrees to help as long as they finish within a reasonable amount of time for relationship spice. That's a lot to ask, though, because turns out finding a place to record is the only thing Steve's done to prepare for this project, His product is just some mixed miscellaneous cleaning goods from the janitor's closet. And Steve wrote about 15 words on a napkin for a script. Filming is an absolute mess, as is Steve's product, which glues Claire to a table. It is kind of the best that nobody puts in more effort than Steve to make this project successful or good. But it also turns out that messing around in the control room was just what Tracy and Brandon needed to keep things interesting in their relationship.
1: My biggest comment on this story is that Tracy and Brandon only, like, just had that whole engagement ring thing, like, two weeks ago, and now Tracy says they're in a rut, so they have to go have sex in new places.
0: Yeah. Like, Tracy's neuroticism. Neuroticism. Neuroses. That's the word. (laughs) But I guess in this sense, it makes sense because she wants to have sex in a control room, which is a semi-public place. So eroticism kind of works. So neuroticism, we're just going to make that a word. Mm -hmm. Her neuroses is sometimes cute, but I can also understand from Brandon's perspective how it's like, I'm getting whiplash here. Like one minute you want us to be engaged. Another you're mad at me and almost breaking up with me because I kept the ring. Now you're saying we're in a rut. What's going on? When have they had time to get
1: to a rut? It's been like three months since they started dating. True.
2: I guess when you start your uh, sexual escapades in a barn, everything else (laughs) seems kind of boring by comparison. That's why she wants another
0: semi-public place. That is her thing. She's like the only, you know, what signifies a healthy and spicy relationship? Semi-public sex.
1: I'm just imagining her like, putting little pieces of hay in the bed, seeing if that does it.
0: I just I just need to feel like I felt back then under the hay, in the hay, on the hay. Just
2: a tape of soothing barn sounds in the background. <laughs> you just hear a cow bleeding in the background. You know
0: what? Whatever works. I guess so. I... Also, speaking of talking about things that just happened that are not mentioned, Steve is mighty peppy for literally having seen a person die right in front of him last week. He's like making breakfast and trying to schmooze Brandon in our world a week after the fact. Yeah,
1: there is no evidence that anything has changed in his life from last week to this week, other than the literal passage of time.
0: hmm And I think what my problem is with that is, like, if this had been a show that was more like a procedural or monster of the week type thing or sitcom or something like that, I would have less of a problem with it. But because we've established that, like, things that happen week to week is part of an overarching plot, as well as we have frequent callbacks to things, maybe not immediately, but at some point during the season, I'm like, dude, there's no payoff here like we I think we really were interested to see how Steve was gonna process these emotions and and almost process the trauma that he was going through. I mean he was literally like trying to self medicate at
2: mm-hmm. the end of
0: last episode what what I guess the only thing he can do is like ignore it.
1: I guess I mean, yeah, what like. It feels like the show had him have that moment at the like little memorial vigil where he smashes the bong on the ground and gives his speech. And then Brandon's like, good speech, buddy. And then like, that's the closure. We're done. We
0: mm-hmm.
1: close that book. Yeah. Because like he's just back to being silly, can't get his schoolwork done on time, Steve. And everyone's joking about it, too. They're all like, oh, yeah, he's totally going to fail. But we're going to sit here and help him.
0: Which I guess, like, good on them for wanting to help, but also it's, like, if I were his friend, I would be a little tired of it. I would be tired and, to your
1: point, a little concerned. Be like, how have we not learned anything in this year? Like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you've almost gotten expelled. You've gone down this dark path, like,
0: and you're just silly Steve making glue. Literally. Like, I think the next time we see them is when they're at the TV station and Tracy has decided that she's going to man the camera. Brandon's like, "Have you even made a script? There's like this bottle. It looks like a giant flask that's just on that really it, it's like essentially a um what's the really sticky glue that we used to have that like you screwed out of the bottle and then you painted rubber cement? Mm. Is that what it was?" Sure. Yeah. Why can't I remember that? You know what I'm talking about though? It came in like a tan bottle and like you unscrewed it and it had a little brush at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Just a giant, you know, like a refill bottle of that. And Steve's like, yeah, I wrote a script. And to Mary's point, it was like 15 words on a napkin and they call it Sanders shine. Like absolutely no effort whatsoever. They had to find a product in the janitor's closet of the place where they're recording this infomercial. Yeah.
1: My favorite part is when it turns into glue and they have like the whole moment where Claire's got stuck to the table and Steve refuses to help her at first. He's just like, what are you doing? You're ruining my take. Like not acknowledging that she's full on stuck to the table, but then (laughs) they don't even when they get her unstuck, they don't even do another take. No, they just keep rolling
0: and then use that. And then just do a voiceover,
2: which was w- also very bad. <laughs> I want to know who helped him rec- like record the voiceover to replace it because at that point Brandon and Tracy are so busy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was my other. So speaking of the semi-public place, like Claire and Steve are standing there, like, hey. Claire needs help please help me and they're making out in the control room which you can easily see from the news desk
0: oh yeah yeah and we established that a few weeks ago when the whole like Evan thing happened so yeah and Steve would have been all over that Steve would have been like ribbing Brandon for you know getting it on in the control room he would have loved it so anyway they made glue and I mean, honestly, that's
1: really it. Like, they watch the video later, repeatedly through the entire story. Everyone acknowledges Steve is going to fail this project. And then Tracy's like, Well, it's been a fantasy of mine to go finish what we started in the control <laughs> booth. And then they run off.
0: Yeah. So dumb.
1: So dumb. And, like, I, again, like, maybe we should be concerned about this relationship that they're in a rut.
0: Yeah, like I appreciate the levity that, you know, the show's trying to bring after having a heavier episode, but I would have also appreciated like somebody having a conversation whether it was Steve or Brandon or Tracy or Claire any of them to say like, you know, have you really like is this just like this feels like you haven't really processed things and Steve being like, you know what, I haven't, but I really need this. Like I need something goofy, something silly to like whatever. Like an acknowledgment would have been great. And yeah, it was just like, it was so silly. It was like the tooth and the mouth and the plaque and all that. And it just, it wasn't as funny (laughs) as the tooth with the plaque in the mouth. Yeah, we, we had some moments, but that was really it.
1: Yep. Mary, what else happened this week?
2: Rob Andrews, a blonde, big-chinned actor whose movie isn't out yet, can't come into the pee pad because he's not on the list. Val feels bad about it and makes it up to him by helping him find a place to live in L.A. and also smooching. I actually have a lot
1: more to say about this than the last one because it made no sense to me.
0: I mean, speaking of people who haven't processed their trauma. Yeah. Right? And continues to go after boys that... She doesn't need to. Like, yeah, because the episode opens at the
1: P pad where nothing has changed. There's no mm-hmm. sort of like, it's literally just you're mm. not on the list. You can't come in. But they also establish that the Tarantino party is inside. So I feel like they would have that security anyway.
0: Right. Like, there's paparazzi there. You got to have added security just for that alone. But like, the also the fact that this Rob guy is like, in the Tarantino party, but not on the p pad list, but then is found by Val to, like, be like, well, I can get you in. I'll just ask Quentin. <laughs> yeah,
1: the idea that they also just throw security out the window and she's like, hot guy, he can come in. Exactly. And also, Quentin Tarantino is throwing a
0: party at the Peepad. pad. Yeah. Don't, like, granted... That actually might be on brand for Tarantino because he's probably like, this place a hole in the wall. Let's do it. You know, like it would be on like it's way more on brand, I guess, for him to be doing something random at the P-pad than what the footage of the film actually was, which was not Tarantino-esque at all. (laughs) It was more Nancy Myers. Yeah, that was a romantic comedy. Yes. Now,
1: in today's world, would be a straight to Netflix. Yes. Release.
0: Like, let's be real. That was a "Win a date with Tad Hamilton type movie, which I love Tad. So that's not even a a diss. It's just not Tarantino. Not at all. And so, like, she's all intrigued because, you know, one of the photographers is like, oh, people are calling him the next James Dean, which he does have the look, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. But, you know, obviously, Valerie's never heard of him. So how famous at this point could he be? Right. And so... I guess, like, Val gets his number or his contact information somehow. Yeah, but then she calls him and just says hi, and he
1: goes, hey, I remember you from the club. How'd you get my number? And no one said, hello,
0: this is Valerie Malone from the pee pad. I thought the same thing.
2: She was just like, hi, you remember me? And he's like, hey, yeah, I do. It's like, whoa, that's a talent. I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, hi, do you remember this voice you heard once in a loud room and then in a parking lot? And he's like, yes, how could I ever forget? Right? Right?
0: Like, yeah. Okay,
1: speaking of romantic movies, like, that is a love at first sight. How could I ever forget your voice after seven words?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Let me ask Quentin. Yeah, Quentin. You know Quentin? He's like, yeah, I heard his voice. (laughs) But also in this scene, as he's talking to Val on the phone, he's just peeling an orange. And all I could think about was this has to be hell for continuity. Like, do not peel that orange anymore, sir. Just peel it once and then you're done.
1: (laughs) Which, you know, speaking
0: of that, the whole premise of
1: the scene is he's at a soundstage doing looping. So like continuity, that's the whole thing. Yep. Man, yeah, they got a real meta with this little storyline right here.
0: Oh, I love to see how movies are made. (laughs) (laughs) And then, I mean, yeah,
1: she literally like shows up and watches it, whatever. But when he made the comment that he was a carpenter, not an actor, I was trying to figure out like who exactly is he supposed to be? Because they say he's supposed to be the next James Dean, but Luke Perry was a carpenter before he was on and All. I'm pretty sure. Harrison Ford was a carpenter before he was in whatever his first role was. Wow. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. I'm like 50% on the Luke Perry, but I'm 100% on the Harrison Ford. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. But also, like, he kind of reminds me, look and backstory, of Jake.
2: Way back in
0: high school when he, you know, eventually went on to become Melrose Place. So I'm like, Why are you trying to find a new Jake? Are they recycling Jake
1: and Kelly to now be Robin Val? Yep. <laughs> but, but more Val of it all, so he's just got to go be an actor too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's tormented, right? Like, he was just picked up because, like, as a carpenter, he... Well, I don't know if he tells it in this scene, but he basically in this scene talks about how it seems like he has like a little bit of imposter syndrome where he's like, yeah, Mm. I don't know that I want to be part of the spotlight. Like, why me? Like, you know, that kind of thing. But he's like. Doing a movie like, dude, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Right. Just go back to carpentry. Yeah. Yeah, I think
1: that was in that scene because then the next scene is when they're having lunch and talking about kissing scenes and then they like have it. a kissing scene, which is, you know, commentary, I guess. I don't know. A funny joke,
0: I guess, because, yeah, like he's talking about how he was working at Indiana University And he got on a film set as an extra and got discovered and got on with the director. And bam, he's a movie star, which I'm like, was it Quentin Tarantino? But, you know, who knows? Um, But then, he yeah, he talks about how he feels silly when he has to kiss someone on screen. So he listens to music while he does it. And I guess there's just this funny thing about what song he listens to. And I can't remember what it was. It was some sort of theme
1: song, but I don't remember. He wanted to listen to something else, but he heard The Love Boat.
0: Yeah, and so then Val's just like, ooh, here's an opportunity. He's basically asking me to kiss him. And so she's like, are you good at it or are you not? And then kisses him. And then she's like, oh, I'm just acting? Like, wh- like what is this writing? What is it?
1: <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Like, she's very clearly acting. Thank you. We can all see that Valerie Malone is doing a Valerie Malone and not actually being herself.
2: But he straight up
0: called her aggressive, and she's like, I'm just acting. I'm like, what? I have no words. It's such a weird storyline.
1: And it keeps getting weirder, because, like, they go to the peach pit, because she wants to show them the pee pad. They walk through the front door instead of the pee pad door, Mm -hmm. and... They, like, have a moment where they stop and talk to Kelly, or Val does, and, like, doesn't introduce anybody. And then Rob is immediately like, what's up with that? After five seconds. This man must have, like, photographic memory or something. He can remember her voice after one sentence, and he can tell that there's something going on between Val and Kelly. He could. That would be impressive. I mean, he – I guess he did. He did then we find out in that scene that he's looking for a place to live and he needs a garage, not for his car, for his tools. It's just, it's a lot. It's moving real fast. It's like they wanted to, like, rush this storyline to get to the point they wanted to be at so they're not Mm -hmm. actually building Rob up as a person.
0: But I'm like, you have still, like, 10 more episodes this season. You could take the time. You know, like, in a lot of cases, at least, you know, after this show, for most common shows, like, this would have been potentially either the last episode of a season or one of the last. And so I could understand if it was that. But at this point, you have time to, like, introduce Rob, have Val be interested. But, yeah, to your point, it's like, they went from saying hello yesterday, last night, and 12 hours later, like, suddenly Val is his realtor? Yeah. Yeah. Blows my mind that she's just a realtor.
1: I was like, you haven't even lived here that long, truly. Yeah. And you just live in somebody else's house that already existed. Like, you didn't have to go find a place to live. Right. So I feel like of anyone in the gang, Val is the least
0: qualified. Yeah. And so they find a house that's like a fixer-upper, which is fine because – we're reminded for the, a millionth time that Rob is a car, carpenter, so he can do it. He also wants a bottle of wine to toast the house, so he doesn't know too much about alcohol and what's mm-hmm. proper to toast with. <laughs> and he also wants to just cancel his meeting with his manager. I'm like, bro, do you want money to pay for this house? Because that, if you do, you don't cancel meetings with your manager.
1: See, and I feel like, you know, Val gets kind of pushy here and he's like, Oh, you're going to, like, be that kind of person, but I need somebody who's on my side. But you're right. Like, this is his job that makes him money.
0: hmm
1: Not only do you not have the house to fix up, like, you just can't live here. You cannot afford to live here if you're not doing anything. Yeah. 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 And- I mean, he also keeps saying repeatedly, he's like, I feel like an imposter. It's really tough being in L.A. I don't want to do all of the uh, networking and everything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe they're rushing through his storyline to get rid of him really fast because he's not going to be around for a while. But
0: if that's the case, I don't know why we did it. Yeah. Then why is he here other than to be another pretty face and an already pretty cast? you know if we could have kept tom around for a little while longer i know we, right? like, we gave we gave val props
1: for like dealing with her trauma but then she immediately faced more trauma and it's like nothing
0: happened you know what's also fascinating is that this is now the third i think maybe fourth but definitely third person whose backstory is some sort of wait maybe five <laughs> that's backstory is some sort of like construction or carpentry because we had jake mm-hmm. we had ray we mm-hmm. have rob we had uh tom because he val's worked on like dad. a pipeline or whatever val's dad that's five okay why so maybe can she the writers not with- think of anything other than carpentry or construction as another job
2: what other jobs do men do <laughs>
0: <laughs> we like, can't have more than one firefighter Right, but also think we've had more than one accountant, too, because technically we had Jim, and we had what's-his-face? I already forgot his name. Kenny. 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 Kenny Bannerman. Yeah. And then we have Dr. Dad, but also Mel, who's in healthcare as well. And not Dr. Greg. And not Dr. Greg. (laughs) So, uh, clearly, the only jobs are in healthcare, construction, and accounting.
1: Yeah. Oh well, you know we we had an
0: intro to software engineers. <laughs> They're like, no, nope, never mind. Didn't test well. We're done. <laughs> and kind of a lawyer. Oh, Jesse. Right, 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 right. I don't know. I, mean, I just would be fine if we just like had somebody who was like, st- I don't know. Now I can't. We haven't her. had a teacher <laughs> like, in a while. Yeah. Good. Or like
2: someone who just like works at a store. Yeah. Or like
0: a
1: restaurant. No one can work at restaurants or stores. That's what
0: Nat and Joan do. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Well, and we've also had the rich kids who don't do it. Who wait, Stuart! 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 (laughs) He was also in construction, sorta.
1: (laughs) They've really someone on this. Writer staff loves construction maybe like their significant other is a carpenter and they're like Y'all, gotta trust me there is nothing hotter than a carpenter like seven I carpenters see... later
0: seven carpenters later like seriously now i want to make like a tally of every job that every person but specifically man has had on this show and just see what happens.
2: Yep. And then I want to rate them by popularity and see if the guys who work in construction are the favorites. Ooh, good point. I like it.
0: I mean, oh at some God. point, like, even if, like, carpentry slash construction ends up being the highest, even if we have duds like Ray, technically it could still be the most popular because there's Stuart, who we actually did like. I kind there's, of loved him and I missed yeah. him a little. <laughs> There's Jake, who we think we liked. Like, we didn't have a reason not to like him.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't have anything against Rob. You know? Like, I barely no. know him. He has, like, the most interesting chin I think we've ever seen on this show. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Reeks was pretty good. Mm. Yeah. But he
0: had the whole thing. Like, his whole, like, body
2: structure was great, so. Yeah. Speaking of Dean Kane. Michael and I were on Netflix yesterday just, like, looking around, and Rat Race is on there. So <gasps> we threw that on. And I saw Dean's, Dean Kane's name pop up in the cast, and I was like, oh, I'm going to look for him. I'm going to find him. And then I just completely forgot because there are so <laughs> many other people in that movie. So many. Who
1: is he in Rat Race? He's, like, he not like, one of the himself? main cast.
2: <laughs> um, I'm going to look it up because, like, I completely just forgot to look for him.
1: Yeah, I haven't watched Rat Race in a while, so I don't know that I'd be able to remember.
2: Yeah. Okay, I figured out who he is. Who is Um, he? He is the blonde helicopter pilot's ex-boyfriend, or current boyfriend that they do a flyover of his house. And And he's in the pool. Yep. Okay. I, like, didn't recognize him at all, which is so funny. I don't think I would have, because he's so far away in the scene. Yeah, like, he gets up close to them at one point, but he's, like, he's not 90s Dean Kane. No. He's definitely not 90s. Dean Kane.
1: <laughs> it's actually probably not that far away from when he was on
2: Beverly Hills. Probably not. Not even that far. That movie came out in, like, July 2001. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Okay.
1: Mary, what else happened this week? Oh, God,
2: I don't know. (laughs) Donna and David go visit Donna's grandma Celia in San Luis Obispo and hear the story about how David looks just like World War II pilot and hero Grandpa John, and also sometimes parents just don't understand true love. Okay, this may be the first
1: time in this show where I have sympathized at least the tiniest bit with Felice. Because hear me out. Imagine your mother-in-law hates you so much. She doesn't tell you things. She talks shit about you to your kids. And she talks shit about you to everyone. Like, I I don't know. I feel like it's one of those times where I'm like, oh, I'm really lucky that my mother-in-law is like, a nice lady and she doesn't suck like could you imagine yeah Nate or Michael's mom's hating you and just like talking shit about you to everyone who would listen
0: no that's a fair point I think yeah I think not that she doesn't deserve it it's just not appropriate yeah Mm -hmm. I think two things can be true right like you can sympathize for Felice in that way but still not excuse her behavior toward Donna and every single person on the planet, apparently.
2: Yeah. I had that thought this morning where I was just like, while watching the episode, I was like, haha, grandma thinks the same things about Felice that I do, where yeah. like, that's whatever. And then I'm like thinking about it while writing out the synopsis and I'm like, wait a minute. Shit, that's really shitty. Like, yeah. It didn't hit me at first because I'm agreeing with what she's saying, but now I'm just like, oh, no, that's, like, really rude to talk yeah. shit about your grandmother's mother to your grandkid, or your grandkid's mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to the grandkid. Yeah, no,
0: I I agree. I think, like, no matter how you feel about a person, it's still never good to talk shit about somebody to somebody, like, like somebody in the family, right? Like, it's the mm-hmm. same way, and... If you are a child of divorce, one of your parents should not talk shit about the other parent to the kid, right? hmm Yep. That's fair. I can see that. Right. That's my only thing. Like, I think Felice
1: deserves a lot of the hate that we give her and frankly, you know, justified for the parents too. Like, I totally get why Grandma's just like, yeah, Felice sucks. I get it. Yeah. But like, you don't say that to these kids. Yes. Yeah. That's not appropriate.
0: Yeah. Like, I wonder if she says that to John, too, to Dr. Dad. She has to, right? And I almost
1: feel like that behavior is probably what has solidified John and Felice's relationship because I think about this all the time. I'm like, I don't understand unless Dr. Dad is completely clueless and just like a total workaholic, misses everything that happens in his family, Mm -hmm. how he cannot see how much Felice sucks.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, like,
1: literally to start their storyline, you know, they're driving to San Luis Obispo and David's talking about Felice. And Donna's like, I don't understand why you're thinking about my mom right now. And he's like, well, she hates me. And I don't know if it's because I'm crazy or
0: I'm Jewish. I'm just like, oh, that's not good. And, like. That must also feel like an impossible situation for David to be in because he's like, those are two things, and obviously crazy is not ever the word I would use to describe David. But mm-hmm. what he is meaning is that he um he's experiencing some some mental challenges here, right? It must suck to have these two things that are innately like part of you that you can't necessarily I mean, you can change your religion if you so desire, but you shouldn't have to. And obviously, you can only work on things when it comes to your mental health. Like, it's not like it's just, all right, I'm going to change this now. And so for David to, like, feel like those are two things that are innately about him, to have his future, let's be real, mother-in-law, hate him for that is terrible. Yeah. And, like, yeah, that's going to drive a wedge
1: in the relationship if they can't do something about it. Like, you know grandma martin teaching them that she can hate felice but felice can still have a successful marriage like i guess that's what we're supposed to get out of this (laughs) i guess i don't know but then okay donna's response to david is first of all not to assure him that she doesn't hate him because he's crazy or jewish but to be like i think my mom thinks we're too young to be so serious which i Completely disagree with Donna. I Have do you too. ever met this woman? She wants you married and pregnant yesterday.
0: Yes. Because Just not today. Yeah, and especially in that order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She desperately wants Donna to marry. Like, I mean, she loved Joe, right? She loved Joe. She
1: loved the firefighter. Ray. Like, she loved Ray, which, you know, took a minute to come around to him. But, like, Yeah, she's loved
0: everyone except David at this point. Right. Which I'm like, on a scale, (laughs) where do we put David in comparison to Joe, Cliff, and Ray? And obviously, he's above Ray. And based on last episode, he's above Cliff, in my opinion. Agreed. And I think think that's it. It goes
1: Ray at the very bottom, then like a gap. Yeah. And then Cliff. And like, I'm glad that Ray got his life together and stopped hitting women but he was abusive to donna and therefore that relationship goes way to the bottom and like i can be happy for ray two states over from donna
0: yeah independent of donna
1: yeah then we have cliff who sucked and he's in florida now and good riddance yeah then like another gap and we get to david and then like a small gap but i would still put joe at the
0: top i think i would too i mean Yeah, I think I would too. But Felice, like, I don't know. I think, yeah, you're right. Like, Donna doesn't really do much to really make David feel any better, but she does, she does the best she can, I think, right? Because she knows it's true, but she can't, like, ah, who knows? But anyway, like, the whole point of them driving together, like you said, is to go to San Luis Obispo to visit Donna's grandmother and... David's never met her, which is surprising because they've known each other at this point for so long.
2: Mm-hmm. Donna
0: explains her grandmother doesn't like to fly. She used to live in Seattle, but now that she's moved down here, um, you know, they're a lot shorter distance away from each other. So Donna's down to go up there and visit her. And this is also mentioned that her grandfather died in World War II as a fighter pilot fighter pilot.
1: Yeah, and she says that. Like, it's family taboo, and they're not allowed to bring it up. And I do appreciate David being like, done. I'm going to get on everybody's mm-hmm. good side that I can. I need it. Yep. Like, I just, I can appreciate being like, do me a favor and don't talk about this. And him being like, done. You said, please don't do cool. it. I'm not going to do it. Yep. Exactly. And then, yeah, they would show up, and Grandma immediately starts complaining about Felice. <laughs> And then this is when we find out that uh, there are sepia-tone photos of people who look exactly like Donna and David. God, I love it. (laughs) You know it's going to be a weird flashback, and all I could think of was the New Girl episode where Jess and Robbie find out they're cousins.
0: Yep. Right? Right? Like, I get what they're trying to do, but it's like,
2: Ooh,
0: makes yeah. me feel like y'all are
2: related. <laughs> that was so funny to me. It's just like you're the spitting image of Donna's grandpa. And we're like <laughs> And we're not thinking this is weird why, right? right. Oh, we have no concerns whatsoever. What if, oh my god. What if what they had done,
0: instead of like making it David, they made it like Cliff or Joe or anybody any of her (laughs) ex-boyfriends i would have died oh man and also like they couldn't have just found like a brian austin green look-alike or not even touch that and just say oh my god donna you look exactly like me when i was younger and this was the boy that
2: i was into which what if (laughs) grandma and grandpa looked like um dylan and kelly (laughs)
0: Oh, my God.
2: And we just brought Dylan back for one episode to be Grandpa Martin.
0: I would love it. I would watch it on repeat
1: even for how (laughs) stupid this story is.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. But,
1: yeah. I mean, they do try and – I don't remember if it's here or a little bit later, but David does try and say, like, I actually don't see the resemblance between me and your grandfather at all. I just want to point that out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but you look just like your grandmother Mm -hmm. like they try I feel like they had to throw that line in because someone was finally like this is weird
0: yeah seriously but I do actually kind of like the flashbacks I think I actually think Tori Spelling looks great she does that flashback like outfit and makeup and all that like she kind of looks like she was meant to be in that era which is fun And I love, like, I know it's silly that David always has to dance because Brian Austin Green is good at it. But, like, they're pretty dang cute at that USO dancing together.
2: Like, I thought that was cute. That was, like, the cutest thing. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed that. Like, and honestly, I do always kind of love like a flashback type of episode with our current characters playing like older relatives or whatever back when they were young like that's Mm -hmm. a fun trope thank you Riverdale for abusing the shit out of it (laughs) Um, (laughs) but like yeah just them dancing I was like oh this is actually really cute and this is actually kind of some really good cinematography especially after last week oh my god totally
0: totally well and it's cute too because like Donna and David got to act differently than Donna and David. Like, mm-hmm. there was only a little bit of similarities between Donna's grandma and Donna, which is okay because literally, like, they're family. But then David kind of got to be somebody totally different. And I kind of love that for him.
1: I did love that part. Like, I was just like, I could easily separate Donna and David and grandma mm-hmm. and grandpa Martin.
0: Yeah, and like Grandpa Martin was just like this like heartthrob, like bleeding heart kind of guy. Like where he was just like I like it was love at first sight. He the, the reaction when he learned that grandma was pregnant could not have been cuter. Like it oh my, was so I- sweet. I
1: felt so bad though when she was like, "I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to be upset." I was like, "Oh my god!"
0: But then he's so happy, so, like beyond happy. Yeah, like I know that's skipping at way ahead, but I just, but it was just so cute. I mean, there's really
1: not much else at the moment. Like when they first start the flashbacks, they kind of talk about like. How they fell in love so quickly. They got married within a week. And oh, by the way, their families didn't like it, which is similar to Felice not liking David.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then she says, you know, they only got to spend two months together because they met right before Pearl Harbor. And so when he left to go like be on duty as a pilot, like they never saw each other again. And so all she has left after those two months where, you know, they got married and got pregnant and, like, had the baby is letters. All she has is letters. Yeah. And I love – and she gave Donald. she's like, here's all of our love letters. And then, like, there's kind of a little, like, teeny bit of smut in one.
0: Right? And I'm
1: like (laughs) –
0: like, I would have been like, oh, except this one. Right? <laughs> don't read this one.
1: <laughs> I would have, like, opened it. There's a little, like, black satin box. Be like, this is grandma's
0: private box. <laughs> <laughs> we don't go into this box. <laughs>
1: and, like, it's just –
0: the.
1: I guess the past stuff is a lot cuter than the present day stuff. And maybe that's what weirds me out so much about this story because that – when she gives them the letters – that's also the part where Donna's like, oh, perfect. We got a motel room. We'll read them at the motel room. And then grandma's just like, oh, really?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when they say nothing's going on, grandma, like, looks at David and is like, this is Felice's fault, isn't it? That you're not <laughs> banging my granddaughter. He's like, tell me about it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't have grandparents like this. Is this oh, normal?
0: God. I have. I doubt it. Like, no. No, I don't think <laughs> Nate's 93-year-old grandmother would be like, "Why are you not banging her?" <laughs> <I'm> like.
2: <laughs> right? Like I don't think any of my grandparents have ever acknowledged that I have body parts besides like a face. <laughs> to have Grandma Martin do this.
0: I'm like, "Okay, grandma, you know, the mean the meme of like, "Okay, grandma, let's get you back into bed." <laughs> Oh my god. Um but yeah, so then we get to see Donna and David reading the letters and looking at the photos. This is where we get the like Is this this money time, I think? I think no, we it's get a little, a little bit later. more. This is the one where you find out it's like
1: basically a miracle that mm-hmm. Grandpa John flew the plane back to base and saved his co-pilot's life.
0: Yeah, so he died a hero.
1: Mm-hmm. Um
0: And they found, like, in the letter that one of his um, crewmates, or whatever you want to call it, uh, wrote to Grandma, um, they put in uh, the cross necklace. And they found, Mm -hmm. because that's what they found him, like, squeezing in his hand um, as he died, which is, like, I kind of love that touch, right? Like, that's a good touch. I know, it's so heartbreaking. Then...
1: We get the dirty letters. Because he's like, I remember our wedding night and you in front of the fire.
0: Jesus. And like, I'm surprised they went as far as they did to show what happened. Right? Like, I
1: I have a theory on this, but I'll wait until we get to the end of the story.
0: Because okay.
1: it's not a wild theory. I think it's right. But in the- yeah. Is this the same letter where he's like, I remember our wedding night. And then at the end, he's like, P.S. If I die, please move on. Yes.
0: What a letter to get. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean. It's the classic, like. Literally the movie Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett and Liv Tyler and like. Pretty sure that's what Ben Affleck says. Before his plane goes crashing into the ocean and she hooks up with Danny, which is Josh Hartnett's character, like not that long after. And oh my God, he's back from the dead. What if Grandpa John is still out there? Honestly, the whole time I was like, did we see a body?
1: Nope. Give me old person reuniting and getting to spend like the last bit of their lives together. Give me the last five minutes of the notebook where she gets yes. her memory back.
0: Yes, uh, oh, Please.
1: Like, I know that's not this kind of show, but I (laughs) would have loved it.
0: Well, and all of this leads to them going back to grandma's house the next day. And essentially the lesson here, grandma says that, like, love is unpredictable. It doesn't obey our expectations, which I fully, like, believe that. Mm -hmm. Um, But she also, like, talks about how people feel sorry for her a lot because, Grandpa John died so quickly after they met and, you know, she essentially had to raise John, Donna's dad, all by herself, but she says she's never felt sorry at all because her love sustained a lifetime and, you know, that includes her letters and photos, it includes John's life, it, you know, includes now Donna, like, so I think that's a beautiful way to think of it. I'm sure she didn't always feel that way, especially during the hard times when she was raising John by herself, but what a... What a noble thing to come to terms with and to, like, genuinely feel. Yeah. Like, it's so beautiful that she said
1: all that stuff. She's like, I just – I never wanted to be with anybody else because I didn't need to be. I had yeah. John. Like, it wasn't, yeah. like, sad. Like, I had John and now I can never be with anybody else. She's like, no, yeah. I, I had my love and I'm very happy for that. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's almost the exact same conversation that happens in Bridgerton with Violet after Edmund dies, but that's, like, five more seasons away. You won't <laughs> get there for a while. Oh, and that's also the the really – I didn't like that book. But anyway. Oh, is that Francesca? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that book. Oh, and no. there are people named John in that book.
0: Of course there are. There
1: sure were. <laughs>
2: past tense (laughs) sorry um this is
1: also when grandma says like oh donna by the way your cross is the cross from the story like very mic drop of like hey surprise you've been
0: carrying your grandfather around with you this whole time two things that i thought of here Three things, because first reaction was like, oh, that's actually a great little twist to put in this. Second thing, I think there should have been put a little more importance on this gift when she got it for her confirmation. Yes. (laughs) To be like, don't lose this. This is extremely important family heirloom. Um, It's okay if they didn't tell her where it came from, but just be like, Donna, this is very important. Do not lose this. Um, And then three, I very much appreciate that it is grandpa john's because donna says like she thought this necklace was given to her as a reminder to be a good girl allah jane the virgin with the flower you know like very it says a whole lot right and so i'm glad that donna gets to have a new takeaway on what this cross means that it's not necessarily just about religion but also it's the sign of a hero and she can decide what's you know, right for her um, in her life and how she should live her life and things like that. So, yeah.
1: Just imagine, though, if they had actually told her any of this story when she got the cross and not let her or Felice, because they do blame Felice for this, uh, twist it to, yeah, always be a good girl, virgin till marriage, never disobey your parents at all costs. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Just imagine if people didn't keep secrets, whether, you know, well intentioned or not, and didn't use religious objects against
0: people. Yeah, don't just stop using scare tactics. Like what might that world look like? We'll never know. I mean that's a
1: lie. We might know. (laughs) But okay. So when all of this happened and then, like, they leave and they go kiss outside the Jeep and they – whatever. Like, I truly feel like this whole story only exists to set up that Donna is going to lose her virginity very soon.
0: Hmm. Interesting take. I I can see how you get there.
1: Right? Like, this entire story was basically, like – it is kind of very Jane the Virgin where, like, somebody mm-hmm. told her all growing up that you had to stay a virgin until you were married. It's a sin. It's disgusting. You can't be that. You have to be a good Catholic girl. And then her entire adulthood, people are like, you don't have to think that anymore because that was not true beliefs. Like, that's not how this works. But she can't get it out of her head. And then, you know, Jane actually does go get married and just bangs it out a lot. But –
0: Maybe Donna's different. I'm just thinking of when. God, I love Gina Rodriguez as Jane. Like she was so good when she is with um, God, what's his name? The young hot star in the show that she starts dating. Oh, with uh, Rogelio, his co-star. Yes. God, what was his name? I don't remember. It's not Fabio. Is it? Is it
1: Fabian? Fabian. Oh it it does start with a F, I think.
0: Anyway, when she starts seeing him and, like, she is so insanely attracted to him, but is so, again, the flower, the whole, like, Catholic guilt, whatever, but then she decides she wants to, like, lose her virginity, and obviously she wants it to be with him because he's super hot and she's super attracted to him, and then, like, she starts panicking and crying because she cries all the time, and it was just so funny. Ugh. Mary you need to watch this show there's one specific scene and it's well into the series but I'll tell you there's been like a handful of scenes in television that I can point to and be like that is some of the best television I've ever seen in my entire life and there's a monologue that Gina Rodriguez does well into I think it's like season 4 maybe and it's done in one take and it's masterful it is masterful
2: So add that to the reasons why you should watch the show. <laughs> okay. I'm going to write it down right now.
1: <laughs> You're right. It is Fabian, Fabian, etc. I can't remember. I
0: think it's – if I'm thinking about, like, the pronunciation that she uses, I think it is, like, Fabian. I think it is. Yeah. Anyway.
1: But, yeah, I think, like – I think that's where this is going because I don't think that – They're ready to get married quite yet. Also, I know how this show ends. Like, that's a spoiler. I've never been able to keep myself from. You just can't when you go to IMDb and it automatically goes to season 10. Mm -hmm. But I I think we're getting there. I think that was the whole setup for this is like, that's Donna's big story for the rest of the year. We'll certainly find out. I mean, she also has 10 more episodes. So she could probably have like three more stalkers in between now and then. But
0: not to mention like three full seasons left.
1: Yeah, I just I feel like that's where it's going because she's even yeah. saying like, I've always interpreted this as a sign to be a good girl. And now that's not the case anymore. Mm hmm.
2: But we still have one story left. Mary, what
1: else happened this week?
2: Kelly finds a runaway little boy, Joey, sleeping on the back deck of the beach house and kind of just hangs out with him all day instead of calling the police. But then he won't give her enough information that she thinks she can use to help him, so she does finally call the cops. Joey feels betrayed and tells Kelly that he hates her now, which sucks because it turns out he ran away from the shelter the cops took him to and now he might never come back. Maybe. Maybe. So, do you know
0: what movie this guest star is from? I meant to look it
1: up, and I didn't, because he looks so familiar. The Little
0: Rascals. He was the bully. He was Butch. Oh my god! Yep. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I, that used to be one of my all-time favorite movies as a kid and i recently found out that nate has not seen it nor has he seen one of my other all-time favorite movies as a child called angels in the outfield he hasn't seen angels in the outfield yeah (laughs) (laughs) guys listeners you should have just seen both mary and ariel's faces they've jaw dropped at the same time in the same way yeah i was
2: muted but i gasped audibly (laughs) like you know you guys know that i'm not a sports person yeah but angels in the outfield was like one of my favorite movies in the entire world growing up it was
0: so good i walked around for years just it could happen just because little jp used to say it could happen all the time (laughs) i showed him the trailer from like 1995 or whenever this movie came out and nate goes this looks dumb (laughs) Nate, you hush your mouth. Sir. I know. <laughs> I know. Speaking so we're gonna of have- <laughs> big chins. <laughs> <laughs> right? Tony Danza, I assume. <laughs> God, but that cast alone, like Tony Danza, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Damian Dark from the Arrowverse, um, uh, Danny Glover, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a little baby child. Uh, there's got to be more people.
2: Oh, my God. That is him. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. Now this movie just got better in your mind. (laughs) It did. Yeah. This is like the same thing with like Rat Race yesterday. Literally just, I watched that movie so many times as Mm -hmm. a kid, never cared who was actually in it. And then yesterday we're just watching the opening credits with everyone's name. Yes. Like it's just popping up and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like this is a really
0: wild cast. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, so I'm going to have to have a movie education with Nate on Angels in the Outfield and The Little Rascals because also Reba was in The Little Rascals. So she was a race car driver.
1: (laughs) Angels in the Outfield had such a cast. Adrian Brody and Christopher Lloyd too?
0: Yep, that's... Oh, God, yeah. How could I forget Christopher Lloyd? But also Adrian Brody and I forgot... I don't know his name, but he was also in It Takes Two with uh, uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley. And he had the glasses. He was the one that had to get the, like hot dog and ketchup and he'd always get like stuff poured on him and stands you know who I'm talking about yes. yes yeah I forget his name Dermot Mulroney yes god yes I'm and bet, half this like, cast was base- the baseball players yeah there's a lot to
1: be said about the nostalgia of something when it comes on you know like yes when we watched degrassi and it's full of 12 year olds and mary and i were losing our minds and you were like i'm sure i would have loved this if i saw it when i was 12 yep so like i'm nervous that nate is going to be like yeah just like i thought that movie is stupid but he has Mm -hmm. to watch it
0: and he has to chance. yeah and my mom still quotes it to me all the time because like i'm telling you i put this movie on all the time so and little rascals for that matter like dear darla i hate your stinking guts you are the scum between my toes. You Darla make
1: me crunching it. Oh my god! Darla crunching the can is my favorite <laughs> GIF to use, ever.
2: Oh, so good! I just love that the kids like deliver the letter. They're like, "It's fine. I remember what it said." <laughs> yeah. And then just love Alf Alpha. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, not Alf Alpha. It's Alf Alpha. <laughs> oh my god! That would be so oh. cute. God, I love that movie. Ah, okay. Well, this isn't that uh, that movie.
1: Yeah, no, this isn't that because in this movie, this show, <laughs> he plays a kid named Joey, who just repeatedly keeps lying to Kelly, who's like, he's like, my mom was supposed to pick me up, she forgot, I was at the beach all
0: day, it's totally fine, don't worry about it, whatever. I feel for this kid so hard like oh Mm -hmm. my god i just can't imagine the amount of stress that is on this little boy to either not go home because it's a bad home life or for his mom to really be at work all day because she has to right Mm -hmm. and he just has to fend for himself like i feel like this is very latchkey kid situation but we don't know if it's really a bad situation but he is aware enough to know that if cops are called his mom gets in trouble so he already has that like defense of his oh it's just it's a heartbreaker of a story and I honestly think Kelly is the only one that can handle it I mean I think it makes sense
1: for her to handle it of all of them Mm -hmm. like you know they even set it up the very first thing we hear from her she's on the phone being like I don't have a mom bone in my body and then she turns around and there's a little boy sleeping on her patio yep But, yeah, this whole time I was trying to piece together the little things that he tells her, which is, you know, exactly what she's doing the whole time. She, like, takes him inside to eat food and just, like, keeps feeding him and trying to encourage him to call his mom, Mm -hmm. which, like, she's not actually watching him dial the phone. I feel like he's definitely just, like, pressing a bunch of numbers and then the hang-up and then pretending to be on the phone, right? Right,
0: right. I would think so too and even at after that first you know scene we get of them or I guess it's really the second like eating um, breakfast and stuff then later on you know when she's mentioning like she need, he needs to call his mom again this is when the trust starts to build right mm-hmm. like not just from it's it's more from Kelly to Joey at this point because she's trying to like Hey, I I get it. If you said your mom's not going to answer, like, I trust you. That's fine. Um, But then when Claire comes home, and this is the only, like, okay, so most of the time I love Claire. But she could have more empathy for somebody that's so intelligent and so, for lack of a better word, mature in in most ways i feel like she really does lack some emotional maturity or at least some iq emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. um because she's like first of all talking about him while he can hear her and immediately insists kelly call the police which i do think that is the eventual right move but i also understand why kelly would not want to just jump to that conclusion because as like a psych major she probably like she doesn't want to jump to that conclusion because she wants to see what's really going on here. If this was really just an accident, or if this this is a pattern. So I mm-hmm. totally get that. But Claire's just like, Nah, man, you gotta call the police. And Kelly's and he overhears, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he literally immediately tries to leave, and Kelly has to be like, No, no, no let's go to the beach. I'm not gonna call the mm-hmm. cops. Let's just go to the beach. But you know, I think this is a valid criticism that we've had of Claire. For a long time maybe even the whole time she's been on the show is like she is very book smart Mm -hmm. but she's too practical like she jumps straight to the end game rather than like making sure this kid is okay she's like well the right thing to do is to call the police so you should just call the police not the right thing to do is make sure the kid is fed make sure he's safe make sure he feels comfortable and then you know make sure he is safe in a legal perspective
0: well, and, too, like, what's missing from Claire's just jump to call the police, like, the fact that Kelly is trying to get him to call his mom first, that's mm-hmm. a, that's more important than calling the police, because what if he really did run away, and his mom is panicking? You know, Cl- like, Kelly's first instinct is, like, your mom must be very worried about you, so let's try to get in touch with her. Well, I'm like, yeah, what if something happened to his mom? Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. There
1: is more to this story, and... With everything Kelly has gone through the last couple seasons, you know, I think I think from that perspective, it makes sense for Claire to be like, you just gotta call the police because you cannot get dragged into another cult drug addiction uh, single white female thing. Like you just gotta yeah. get this off your plate. You can't do this right now. That's true. But that's that's not Kelly. That's not what she wants to do.
0: No, and she like sits him on the bench where Like, his mom usually meets up with him. Then Joey starts to get a little more nervous because Kelly starts asking more, like, probing questions about, like, what is your home like? Where does your mom work? Like, things that are clearly, like, leading questions, but stuff she really needs to know. And at this point, she figures she got enough trust with him to be able to figure that out. And he gets apprehensive. So she's like, fine, fine, fine. Let's just go to the peach pit. And we'll, we'll we'll talk then. But at that point, I'm going to get you a milkshake and you're going to start talking to me.
1: Yeah. And, like, this kid eats so much food. You have to imagine he was so hungry mm-hmm. before he got there. Because he drinks the whole milkshake and asks for another one on top of all the cereal that they had in the house. And, you know, whatever else Kelly gave him. I think I saw a banana, like, maybe some juice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, this kid is so – hungry I understand why Kelly wants to earn his trust before anything else and make sure because I mean presumably you know she called the cops they would take him they'd go like get McDonald's or something on the way to figuring out his problem but like I also understand being like I need to make sure he's taken care of before I just go like put him in a system that I don't know personally exactly and when she gives him the milkshake he does finally
0: admit that he ran away Mm mm-hmm and but, his, like, it's such a kid response to be like, I'm born to surf. Like, I'm never going back again. You know, mm-hmm. it's like such a little boy thing to say. But I was afraid because he admitted to running away from his mom that he's also going to run away from Kelly um, just at some point because it seems like he's very set on that, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of running away from any situation that doesn't contribute to what he wants or something.
1: Honestly, I bet her living so close to the beach – Mm -hmm. really kept him there a little bit longer than he would have with anybody else yeah that's a good point yeah because I agree with you I think the second he felt like he couldn't trust Kelly he would run away from her just because he wanted to stay at the beach Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and
1: be a surfer and be not at home whatever's going on there yeah and I mean then she takes him back to the beach apartment Makes him go take a shower, which is fair. He's a little kid. He's probably very smelly. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He's been on the beach all day, maybe multiple days. Who knows? Right. But while he's doing that, she creeps through his backpack and finds a bus ticket from Phoenix to LA.
0: Yeah. And I should have paused it um, just to take a better look at it. But I didn't clock if it was Phoenix to LA or LA to Phoenix and for when it was. a good point.
1: I did not see any of that. I think Phoenix was listed
0: first. I think it bus was too. Ticket. Yeah. No, I was just like, I, I was like, why does he have a bus ticket? When did he get a bus ticket? How did he get it? Like, it was all these questions of like, okay, this kid is like 11. I think he says almost 12 years old. How how did he procure this bus ticket and why? If it's like Phoenix to LA and he's currently here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I – imagine the same thing went through Kelly's head too because at this point like this is when she calls social services and tells them Mm -hmm. what's up like we don't see them until the next scene but you know this is when she's like I don't have the capacity I can't manage this I don't have the expertise here
0: and I think at this point that's extremely valid right like you have Mm -hmm. to know your own limits and know when you need help and I think ultimately it was the right decision even though what happens from this point forward is exactly why people don't call social services Mm -hmm. and why kids even know I can't get my mom in trouble because this, even this is better than if I were not with my mom, you know, things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, we don't know how many times Joey's actually been in social services. Like we don't know that his name is really Joey or he's just like completely lying about things because he's had bad experiences in the past. But Kelly just doesn't know, and that's not Mm -hmm. on her. I mean, yeah. Literally, that like scene before social services shows up, you know, he's talking about like, oh, you're so nice and pretty. Don't you want kids? I can be your kid. Yep. Which is
0: heartbreaking. It is, because he's clearly reaching out for some sort of affection, some sort of guidance, or, you know, just being given attention. Right. Mm -hmm. And, the fact that his mom isn't around, we don't know why, so I don't want to blame mom entirely. Um, but just the fact that she's not around, like, clearly this kid is is searching for something that he's not currently getting.
1: Yeah. I mean, with all of the different storylines we've seen so far, we literally cannot even begin to guess about this right. kid. They've told us nothing. Right. He had a bus ticket. He said his name is Joey, and he said he ran away. That's all we yep. got.
0: Exactly. And, of course, when the social worker and the police officer come by the house, Kelly's trying to, like, clue them in. Like, this is what's going on this current situation. And, of course, they walk in and it is just from there, it's Joey getting angry. He gets really upset. He says that she's not his friend. Like, all this kind of stuff. And you can see just immediately, like, as quickly as the trust built up, it got torn down immediately. Yeah. I
1: mean, he is so upset and you can see they like kind of have their hands on his shoulders so he can't run. Like he feels completely trapped. But then the next day, the social worker comes back to see Kelly and starts asking her like, hey, uh, do you know anything about Joey's family? Do you know anything about Joey himself? Because he ran away from the shelter last night. Which, you know, I have never had to experience these things, but I
0: don't really blame him. You know? Yeah, right. Especially, like you said, if, you know, for all we know, this isn't Joey's first time at a shelter or connected to a social worker. I mean, the fact that he knows that his mom would get in trouble if the police were called is is reason enough to infer that this isn't his first rodeo with social Mm -hmm. services. And god when when the guy who he kind of looked like rob Riggle to me he did Um, but when that guy was like believe me we all felt feel terrible and kelly was like you should i felt that i was like same like kelly must feel so powerless in this in this point and and also like how are you not looking after him you came here and told me you're gonna look after him and then you just let him leave yeah that's the thing like she thought she was doing the right thing. She did what she's always been told
1: she's supposed to do. And then it backfired on her because the people that she trusted to take care of him couldn't do it for yeah. you know, whatever reason. And, like, Joey's apparently the shelter
0: is not – like, he's not obligated to – like, what did they say? They said something like he wasn't yeah. confined there or something like that. And I'm like, he's 11 yeah, like, how do you not have someone just, like, watching the doors because,
1: like, you don't want it to feel like a prison. No. But you also can't have 11-year-olds just running away again.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it was – I think that's, that is what they said. Like, it's not a prison. He doesn't have to stay there. And I'm like, that's fine that you don't want the shelter to feel like a prison but he's also a minor. Like he is a child. So I feel like that's incorrect. Yeah. It feels like at this point you didn't do your job. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's not like this is an adult in an adult shelter. Correct. Who decided not to stay there that night. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a kid that they just looked away and let wander out of a door. Yes. Which is you should never take your eyes off children. Like no. We went
1: to the botanical gardens last night. And this family, it was, like, a family of five. We ran into them, like, later in the garden, but the littlest one, they could not keep track of him. Like, Oh, no. He wasn't, like, little, little. He was probably, like, six maybe, like, still mm-hmm. pretty small. But, like, there's that room at the Botanical Gardens for the Christmas lights that has the big poinsettia tree. And so everyone oh, goes to take yeah. pictures in front of it. And he just kept jumping into everybody's pictures. <laughs> he would not leave.
0: Oh my god! So he
1: jumped into our photo and then kept being like, I don't remember his name, but say like, Joey, come over here. If you just behave a little bit longer, you'll get M&Ms when we get home.
0: Yep. Like, okay. we will get you everywhere.
1: <laughs> I really wanted to be like, should we be giving him more sugar? Like, Right. I don't know children, but like, come on. Mm-hmm. But then they went outside and then we finally got our picture. We went out after them. And like repeatedly, I just saw this kid just running everywhere. Yep. I was like. He needs to be on a leash.
0: I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, some kids really do. You
1: know what? It was dark. There was fire over by the s'mores area. Like, they could have lost him, and he could have done damage to those flowers. Like That's true. He was just excited. He just wanted to do all the things. And, like, that's not even a kid that's motivated to, like, get away from you. Yeah. And what's interesting is the social worker in the – episode is like we are also kind of hoping that if we gave you this heads up that he ran away that like maybe he comes back to you and maybe you call us a second time because he trusted you and then she's like no he doesn't i called you
0: he doesn't trust me anymore Hmm. and also even if he did come back like why would she call them she knows what happens yeah. when she does yeah
1: i mean i i have to imagine If he comes back, which I really feel like is a big if, like he's going to have to feel like he has no other options to come back. But if he comes back, like the only way this story can move forward is with Kelly telling him like, you have to be honest with me. Like what Mm -hmm. we did last time didn't work. Let's try this a different way.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Because, yeah, the social worker insists that she did the right thing. And I'm like, okay, but she's not going to feel that way anymore.
0: No, of course not. Like, like, of course he has to say that. Like, he has to say you did the right thing. That's his job.
1: Yeah. It, like, unfortunately, evidence in this story tells us that that didn't work in this case. hmm The way that we handled this was not the right way. So let's do something different next time Joey shows up, if Joey ever shows up again. Correct. And I
0: think that's it. I think that is every single thing that happened in this episode. That's all I got. Um trying to think if I have a quote of the week. I don't know that I wrote wrote one down. Yeah. Oh, I I wrote one down. I do have one, and we didn't talk about it. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, Well, we sort of talked about it, but we didn't, like, mention it.
1: The only actual quote I have, because I did a lot of, like, David is, like, done, blah, 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 blah. But that's not actually words that David said. Uh, The only actual quote I wrote was when grandma is talking to David. She goes, Donna tells me that she loves you. Do you love her?
2: It's not even a very good one. That's all I wrote down. (laughs) That's literally one of the only ones I wrote too. And it was like, I even paraphrased it. Just Donna tells me that she loves you. Do you love her? Good. (laughs) And then um, like, yeah, it was just like, we got a motel. Oh, not like that. That Felice shaking my head t- attributed all that to just Grammy.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, those I did actually write that one
0: down. But my quote of the week is it's usually going to be a little quip from Val or Kelly about the other. So it's when Rob and Val walk into the peach pit and Val makes that comment to Kelly about Joey Being like, you know, that's younger than you normally pick or something like that. (laughs) little young
2: for you, eh? I also wrote that down. Yeah. And then Rob's
0: like, I don't even remember what Rob says, but he says something like friend of yours or something. I think it's
1: exactly what he says, yeah.
0: But what she ends up saying is like blonde, sweet smile, fangs well hidden, like talking about Kelly to Rob to be like, no, you stay away. (laughs) It's like in the Scream episode of Boy Meets World when – I think it was the Scream episode when Sean's like, you get out. No, it's to Lauren. It's to Lauren at the ski lodge when he's just like, no, you get out.
1: <laughs> I also noticed in that scene that Val introduces Rob to Nat, and I think that's the only time that we see Nat in the entire episode. But all I could think of was like, oh, yeah, Nat was an actor for like half an episode.
0: Yeah. Yep
1: totally forgot about that and then i remembered nat is married with a baby but that's totally unrelated it's just
0: like oh nat's had a life (laughs) he's had two lives basically how is joan just alone is little joey do we have another joey no anthony tony it's it's very italian yeah fuck what's the baby's name baby nat's baby 90210
2: Frankie. 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 Kid's going to know so much about lamps.
1: (laughs) And And like nothing about
2: pie. Dad is not
1: around.
2: That's true. Mary, what about you? I really don't even think I have a moment. Well, actually, no, I kind of do. Just everyone being resigned to let Steve do a bad job on his project. (laughs) That was kind of a highlight for me. Just Brandon and Tracy looking at that screen being like, huh, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. And then making out about it. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: what else was there to do? Gosh.
0: Okay. Kaylin, what is next week's episode? So, air-wise, we take a quick little two-week break, um, and following this episode, we have Season 7, Episode 23, Storm Warning.
1: Okay, I mean, I I feel like it's kind of safe to go with the literal and say that there is a storm, and everyone has to... Be warned about
2: it. (laughs) Ah, we're going literal. (laughs) That's all I got. What kind of storms happen in California? Earthquakes? um, Dust storms? Well, but
1: they're like more at the beach, so we've already had a fire and an earthquake very recently. So I was thinking maybe like... Do they get
0: hurricanes? No, they don't get hurricanes out there, right? I don't think so. Um
1: but I mean they still they would still get like thunderstorms.
0: Yeah, so it could just be like yeah. a really 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 bad storm that like takes out all the power or something like that. Yeah, I mean it's the most boring obvious guess, but
1: it's mm-hmm. all I got. I've been wrong on my guesses pretty frequently <laughs> lately, so
0: well. Sometimes it's literal, sometimes it's not. It's hard to know when When it's appropriate. And sometimes you might be on the right track. It just doesn't apply to the right characters. Yeah. We're just, I'm in a slump right now. I'll get back to it. Like, let's be real. None of us could have figured out what straight shooter meant. God. (sighs) So much
1: sports this season. I'm going to say. Yes. Storm warning is about the Seattle storm.
0: Oh, I would love that. Sue Bird got to be, was she in the WNBA at this point? No, she's not that old. (laughs) She's old. She's not that old.
1: (laughs) Someone was in the WNBA at this point, I think. Yeah. I don't know if the WNBA was around by this.
0: Uh, They celebrated their 25th season?
1: April 24th, 1996. They would have been around.
0: Okay. There
1: you go. That's what I'm saying. Could be. Seattle Storm comes to play the LA Sparks or whatever they were back in 1996.
0: Maybe Brandon can go on assignment and while they're there, a bad storm traps them in the arena. Mm.
1: We're getting very meta, a storm around the storm. Yes, exactly. I like But it. they're in the eye of the storm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out next week. Uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast.
0: Send us an email if you want to at back to podcast at gmail.com.
2: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
0: And don't forget
1: to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. Uh, all that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community. And it really enables us to give you all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really like you. So until next week from all of us at Back to you Podcast, I'm going to go read all of my grandma's smuddy letters.
0: I gotta go film an infomercial for a marketing project that I have due
2: tomorrow, okay? Bye! I gotta go rethink the meaning behind all of my family gifts from over the years. Bye! Bye! See ya.